When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. The latest from 7 News with Michael Usher. Good evening and welcome. Tonight, Australia is set to reach a 90% vaccination milestone within hours. The weather warnings across Queensland, New South Wales and Victoria and lawsuits and lies. The Royal Aid speaking out against Harry and Meghan in court. But first, let's take a look at the top stories this evening. He was Australia's most wanted man. But tonight, Mustafa Belouche is behind bars at Sydney's Silverwater Jail. The alleged drug kingpin was extradited from Queensland to New South Wales today after a botched attempt to flee the country. It's believed he was planning to sail to Thailand to avoid the possibility of a life sentence for allegedly attempting to import cocaine into Australia. Communities in Queensland are cut off by floodwaters tonight as parts of the state are hit by an intense band of rain. The Bureau says up to 100 millimetres has fallen in the last 24 hours. The intensity of the downpours causing widespread damage. We've seen November records smashed in the town of Stanthorpe. Our reporter there is standing by and we'll go live to them shortly. Two men are right now under arrest over their alleged involvement in a deadly hit and run in Melbourne. Timmy Reiki was struck and killed while setting up traffic cones on Tuesday. The driver fled the scene and was picked up by a friend in a getaway car. A 30-year-old man was arrested in Caram Downs while a 25-year-old handed himself in to police. The Gold Coast could be on the edge of lockdown after a second unlinked COVID case was identified. Queensland Premier Anastasia Palaszczuk has warned residents restrictions will be brought back if more cases appear in the next two days. The state has one of the slowest uptakes of the COVID vaccine yet to reach 70% double dose mark. The neighbour who lives in the same duplex as accused Cleo Smith abductor Terence Kelly is moving out over fears the property will be destroyed by locals. Police have been guarding the crime scene since Cleo was found last week, but the neighbour fears it may become the target of vigilantes once investigators pack up. And the Porsche driver who filmed and mocked dying police officers on Melbourne's Eastern Freeway after they were hit by a truck has been granted bail in relation to a separate incident. Richard Pusey is accused of stalking and assaulting on-duty emergency service workers in the months after the crash. His lawyer says he'll receive professional treatment before facing court on March 9. But more now on tonight's top story and detectives are right now in the process of laying charges against alleged drug smuggling kingpin Mustafa Belouche after he was extradited to Sydney from Queensland. Let's go live to our reporter Tom Saker at Silverwater Jail. Tom, good evening. Quite the operation to bring him home. What was involved? That's right, Michael. It was an incredibly, another incredibly eventful day in the life of 33-year-old alleged drug kingpin Mustafa Balouche, who was just uh, taken here to Silverwater Correctional Facility in yet another massive police convoy. His, he first emerged at uh, Coolangatta Airport on the New South Wales-Queensland border in prison greens with a shaved head and a face mask being escorted by police from a Queensland police escort into the hands of New South Wales police. He was handcuffed and fully chained his feet as well. Police were taking absolutely no precautions after that incredibly dramatic arrest yesterday on the border. But his day began, in fact, at the Southport Magistrates Court for an extradition hearing. It was just a formality. 
and uh, a formality in fact which New South Wales detectives drove all the way up to Queensland for but it only took two minutes. He, uh, New South Wales police were granted that extradition and he was taken in a Queensland police convoy to the airport. Police had a logistical decision to then make. Uh, Belouche remains unvaccinated so that ruled him out of a commercial extradition flight uh, so they then had to choose between a plane or a drive. They deemed that the drive would have been too unsecure uh, so they opted for that flight instead. He then was flown to Bankstown Airport put in a silver police four-wheel drive where he was taken here to Silverwater Correctional Facility. Uh, that same intelligence, Michael, that uh, police had him uh, in that shipping container at the Queensland border, had him going all the way to far north Queensland where he was going to set mm. sail for Thailand, then go to Indonesia and then on to Eastern Europe where he was set to meet up with uh, exiled drug, ki drug kingpin Vaso Yulich. So an incredibly uh, tumultuous and in mm. eventful day for Mustafa Belouch. Well, there's obviously a lot more to learn, but there's some incredible detail there. What, what happens from here, Tom? So from here, he'll actually be at Silverwater Correctional Facility for another two weeks, and that is because he needs to undergo quarantine for COVID. He's then due to go on to Goulburn Supermax Jail, uh, where he'll spend the remainder uh, of that time he is to spend behind bars. But uh, they're taking these precautions because if there was a COVID outbreak at uh, Goulburn Supermax, that would cause all sorts of issues. Yeah. He's then going to make a... Uh, he's, he's facing another charge of breach of bail on top of those original charges allegations that he was importing 900 kilograms of cocaine into Australia from Ecuador. Quite extraordinary scenes that we're watching there. All right, Tom Saker there, thank you. Now to the severe rain event in Queensland that's seen parts of the state inundated by rapidly rising floodwaters. Our reporter Sally Guy's in Stanthorpe for us tonight, one of the communities really bearing the brunt. Sal, good evening to you. What have you seen on the ground in terms of the, the damage that the rain is causing? Well, Michael, we've seen a significant amount of damage here in Stanthorpe and in the surrounding areas, mainly a lot of flooded roads, really important connections to connecting towns in this region, as well as some of the community roads. You might be able to see behind me a local bridge here has become a bit of a water feature. That's because the ground here is so saturated. The water really has nowhere to go. But what one local poignantly pointed out to me today was that it's not necessarily about this water that's the problem. It's what happens when the mm. water recedes and they see the damage that's left behind. It's always such a mess when the floods go through. A real turnaround though, Sally. This is a town that not too long ago was having to truck in water. I mean, what a difference one year can make. Stanthorpe was so dry, they were trucking in water. One woman came up to me today. She said she woke up, she opened her curtains and thought she suddenly lived by the ocean. That's just showing how much water there is in this town at the moment. Any relief or not for tomorrow? What's the forecast? Unfortunately, it's not looking likely. Heavy rainfall is expected inland this evening, into the night and into the morning. Those severe storms will be heading out towards the coast, though, and then thankfully a reprieve. Sunny skies are expected on the weekend. All righty. Sally got there in Stanthorpe. Thank you for that tonight. <laughs> Detectives are close to solving the mystery disappearance of high country campers Russell Hill and Carol Clay, according to Victoria's police commissioner. They're being assisted by a flood of calls about the case following the release of details about a blue four-wheel drive and trailer seen in the area at the time. Have a look at this. An Oztag player has made a dramatic citizen's arrest on the Gold Coast, tackling an accused thief being chased by police. Polair, as you can see there, tracked the vehicle as it darted between traffic before the suspects abandoned the car in a sport field where a game of Oztag was about to begin. There it goes. The men tried to run away before one was spectacularly taken down by the player.
After a series of shock falls in our unemployment rate, there's been a jump in the latest figures. The official jobless rate increasing by 0.6% in October to 5.2%, driven by the final weeks of Victoria's lockdown and a wave of New South Wales job seekers after the state's reopening saw extra financial support withdrawn. China and the United States have stunned the COP26 summit announcing a joint climate change pact and declaring global warming an existential crisis. While specific deadlines and commitments are yet to be announced, representatives from both those nations say they'll take enhanced options to meet the central goals of the 2015 Paris Climate Accord. Months of secret negotiations and virtual meetings were settled in Glasgow just a week after Joe Biden attacked Xi Jinping for not attending the summit in person. And filming's underway on the Sundays for a rom-com film starring George Clooney and Julia Roberts. We caught a glimpse of the actors being ferried to the set for day one of the production. Security's tight with an exclusion zone set up, we're told, and marine police uh, and companies hiring guards to look after the cast and crew. Well, tomorrow the nation will farewell entertainment icon Bert Newton during a televised state funeral. Our Melbourne reporter Christy, Corper jo- Christy Cooper joins us now. Christy, hello to you. There's been a tribute tonight ahead of uh, tomorrow's proceedings. Yeah, there has been, Michael, and a very subtle but touching nod to Bert Newton. All of Melbourne's major theatres dimmed their lights just half an hour ago for a minute to remember the great Bert Newton. Now, he was, of course, a TV and radio legend, but he was also a musical theatre star. He performed in many different shows, including The Sound of Music, Wicked and Beauty and the Beast. This light-dimming... tradition started on Broadway but it's hardly ever happened here which tells you just how much of a wonderful reputation Bert had. Now he will be farewelled officially tomorrow at a state funeral in Melbourne at St Patrick's Cathedral. We understand it will be quite a traditional Catholic ceremony Michael. Bert would have loved that tribute tonight Christy I can guarantee you that he loved the stage. Now how many Australians can actually uh, you know so many adored Bert I mean how many can watch the service? Well, not many will be able to watch the service in person due to the current restrictions. It will be limited to close family, friends and colleagues. However, no one has to miss out because there will be extensive coverage on TV. Channel 7 will be broadcasting throughout the morning. Larry and Kylie will be at the cathedral for the morning show and the ceremony itself will be broadcast live at 10 o'clock. For those who can't be near a TV, you can also watch it live streamed on the Victorian government's website, Michael. All right, Christy Cooper there in Melbourne. Thank you for that. Well, a royal aide who worked for the Duchess of Sussex says the letter to her father, published by the Mail on Sunday, was written in the knowledge it could be leaked to the media. Let's go to our correspondent, Sarah Greenwich, who's live in London with the latest on this. Sarah, more twists and turns again in this story. The, the newspaper obviously is trying to overturn a ruling that it breached Meghan's privacy in the copyright laws. Yeah, that's right, Michael. Uh, More twists and turns, as you say. So you may have thought this story was done with back in February when the Mail on Sunday was successfully sued by Meghan with a a judge finding that the publication of extracts of part of this private letter, as Meghan says, uh, was manifestly excessive and hence unlawful. But the tabloid is now fighting back in the Court of Appeal. So yesterday, lawyers for the publisher of this newspaper presented a witness statement from the Sussex's former communications chief, a guy called Jason Knauf. Now, as part 
delivered that statement. He presented correspondence, text messages between he and Meghan from 2018 when she was asking him to have a look at the draft of this letter. One of those messages uh, from Meghan says, obviously everything I've drafted is with the understanding that it could be leaked, so I've been meticulous in my word choice. She then goes on to ask uh, Jason Knauf about how she should refer to Thomas Markle, her dad. Given I've only ever called him daddy, it may make sense to open as such, despite him being less than paternal, and in the unfortunate event that it leaked, it would pull at the heartstrings. Mm. So the paper's argument is that these text messages show Meghan knew the letter would likely be leaked uh, and not remain private, but media lawyers say that the fact that she anticipated that doesn't necessarily mean then the publication of the letter was the correct thing to do. So this uh, appeal hearing is set to last three days. It's meant to wrap up this afternoon, and then the three judges are likely to reserve their judgment until a later date. Interesting. We shall see. Now, there's also more controversy over Harry and Meghan's contributions to a biography. What's that about? Yes, this is all kind of wrapped up in the same thing. So as part of this statement from this guy, Jason Knauf, who coincidentally still works for Prince William, uh, he has presented emails to the court showing correspondence between himself and other senior aides and Harry and Meghan showing that they authorised cooperation with the authors of this controversial biography, Finding Freedom. Now, this is the book basically about Megxit that was written in a very favourable way towards Harry and Meghan, and they have always insisted that they did not contribute either directly or indirectly to this biography, but the emails in this statement certainly suggest otherwise, and Meghan uh, then had to apologise for mm. misleading the Court of Appeal. Now, this is the part of the story, Michael, that the tabloids here are having a field date with today. Uh, this is the Daily Express, explosive new evidence, Meghan says sorry, and then this is the one that everyone's really talking about from The Sun. Little oh Miss dear. Forgetful. <laughs> yeah. How could you forget that you gave briefing notes to an advisor to pass on to the authors of a right. book? And, and, and this, this fellow giving the evidence, you're saying he works for Prince William? He currently works for, okay. um, for Prince William and the Duchess of Cambridge, yeah. yes. Okay, so the rift between the brothers ain't going to heal anytime soon. Make of that what you will, yeah. Michael. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> All right, Sarah Greenhouse there in London. Thank you for that. Kath Koshal is a former elite cricketer whose career was cut short when she broke her back, the first of many challenges to come. After her beloved partner died by suicide in 2012, she says her light was snuffed out, but it was reignited. And Kath completed an Ironman competition before being hit by a truck on her bike, breaking her back for a second time. She says it's the kindness of strangers that's ensured her spirit remained intact and spurred her on to create something very special. Kath joins me now ahead of World Kindness Day. Nice to have you in the studio, Kath. Thank you for having me. Now, what a roller coaster. How have you carried on through all of your personal experiences? I think kindness has played the biggest part, hence forth the, mu the movement, I guess. Um, so for me, I think overcoming any challenge, you need to break it down into really small bite-sized pieces. But when you, can, and when you can acknowledge, I guess, small parts that you're grateful for um, and small acts of kindness within that as well, I think the battle becomes a lot easier. So... Sure. Must be difficult along the way. The Kindness Factory, though, I'm fascinated by this. Why, tell me about it and why have you started it? Well, I launched it on World Kindness Day in 2015 um, and I had no idea it was World Kindness Day at the time. It wasn't really, really? a big thing back then. No, yeah. not at all. So Meant to be. Um, absolutely. I got all these texts um, off my friends just sort of saying, congrats on the launch. Awesome that it's World Kindness Day. And I was like, I didn't, I didn't even know that. So <laughs> that was awesome. But, but essentially, I'd just overcome these two really big life hurdles and 
often, I guess, my, my life was in the public a little bit and I got mm. asked often the question, you know, if there's one thing that stands out for you, good, bad or ugly, no judgment, what is it? And for me, the answer was always kindness. So how I articulate that, you know, when you're in a wheelchair like I have been and you can't reach the lift button and a random stranger walks past and they see that struggle and they press the button for you and it means absolutely nothing to their day but it meant everything to yours because yeah. you can get downstairs and, and go where you need to go. Those moments are so important and I encourage everyone out there to, to engage with meaningful acts of kindness because I think there's mm. no more important time than right now as we re-emerge as a nation. Just once a day as a practice, just, to, just an act of kindness, it can make a world of difference, can't it? It can change a life. It can save a life. Actually, we commissioned some research this year. I'm interested um, in that, yeah. It was fascinating. It, ups uh, it blew my mind. And I think it really proved to me that we're on the right track and that our mission is, is one that's really important. 3% of Australians said that kindness actually saved their life throughout the pandemic. I, I just think that is mind-blowing mm. and, and absolutely phenomenal. Because that's, that's genuine lives saved. Absolutely, and I, I, I don't think the gestures were really grand by any stretch. I think they were just small things that people were able to acknowledge, be it, you know, saying g'day to a neighbour that you might not have during pre-COVID, pre, pre for example, and introducing you to people. And, and I think even part of that study, you know, people acknowledge others now and their attempts to, to, to give them kindness and all those sorts of things. Mm -hmm. So it's been absolutely phenomenal to see. And, and you know, our website throughout the period of, of harsh lockdowns increased by 60% in traffic. And that just sort of prompted me to sort of yeah. go towards a, you know, a third party researcher and go, let, let, let's dig a bit deeper here. What, what, are, what, are, what are the Aussies telling us throughout these periods? And what did that leap in traffic on the website tell you? What, what, what did that sort of ring out and say to you? It just showed me that people needed a little bit of hope. And yeah, I think <laughs> true. and belief in the human spirit and human connection. I think that's what kindness is. What are the, what are the most popular acts of kindness that you've found? I don't know if there's a list or a ranking of them, but what, what, what's the, what are the big ones? I think acknowledging others, you know, for, for efforts, contribution, all those sorts of things, and, and human connection has been a huge one too. Um, I think, um, you know, you get the, the really nice ones as well, like buying a random stranger a coffee and complimenting people and, and all those sorts of things as well. But, um, you know, some of my favourites are actually when, when kids are showing their parents how to be kind, and we've had so many wonderful examples of those as well. Well, adults lose kindness, don't they, sadly, over time? Get a bit hard and cynical and not, not as generous, I guess, with spirit. Uh, absolutely. We, we've actually we've got a kindness curriculum that exists within 3,000 <laughs> Australian schools now and um, I, I, I guess that thought came about because uh, I, I wanted to inspire someone or people are out there to, to be kind and I, I realised very quickly that that needed to be the next gen so that they could grow with kindness and have more resilience and, mm. and empathy and gratitude and all those sorts of things. And, um, yeah, that's, that's been phenomenal to see them grow with it and I think they're, they're our future, right? They're going to sort of grow with yeah. this, this foundation of kindness and then henceforth bring more kindness into the world as well. That research you did, just those percentages of, of how kindness changed and or saved lives, I mean, particularly difficult during... A pandemic and lockdowns, some severe lockdowns if you think particularly in Victoria, kindness can be a little harder to, to show and extend if it's not in, in physical contact or close contact, but you can still be kind, can't you? Absolutely. I think we, you know, we, we used technology more, which was great. There were so many more, even me personally, my friends created WhatsApp groups and, and there were memes mm. flying around everywhere and all those sorts of things and FaceTime became more paramount. Um, so, well, I, I mean, I'm a hugger. I love hugging people. <laughs> <laughs> so we weren't allowed to do that, but, you know, FaceTime crept in and, and other means to connect with people um, were, were apparent, which was awesome. So I think it's, it's, it's shown a surge in, in a way that we can use technology yeah. for good, um, which has been phenomenal as well. Yeah. And how we started out was talking about your personal experience, but how would you say kindness shaped your, your life, your, your return to normal, I guess, or your return to sort of life in a way? 
Yeah, I, mean, I, I, I didn't do the survey. I wanted it to be organic and authentic, obviously, but um, it, it's kind of, I'm not here without kindness. So the kindness of my family, my friends, random strangers, the, the example I gave before about the, you know, the wheelchair and the lift and yeah. things like that. Those small moments, they are so powerful. Um, and I just think that we need to engage. I mean, if we're reliant on kindness to survive and yeah. we've been able to see that, Imagine what that can do as we re-emerge and we go into normality and, and when we're not even in a struggle, what that could do to help us thrive. And um, for me, it, it's so important. It's something that I mm. engage with every day um, and it's a huge part of my life. And as I said, I wouldn't be here today without it. OK, thanks for sharing the, the, the message about the Kindness Factory. Thank you very much for having me. Wonderful message and a wonderful story. Thank you for your company this evening. From the team here at 7 News, that is the latest. I'm Michael Usher. Good night. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.